Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here to discuss the second week of Future State titles. And um, just off the off the top of the dome, do you guys think you prefer this week of Future State or last week of Future State? Zach? I think I like this week. Vince? This week was better across the board. It didn't. It didn't have the heights of the week prior. But agreed, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely, definitely more solid across the board. It didn't. It didn't have a Wonder Woman. No, I think if you took Wonder Woman out, this week is better almost in every issue. Almost. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the Swamp Thing one, but yeah. 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 That, point, that's ta- it. point taken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I. I did not uh, think about an order, so just in deference to Vince, I will do this in alphabetical order. So uh, that means that we are going to start with uh, Future State Dark Detective number one. The main story in this is written by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Dan Mora. They are the new creative team behind Detective Comics as of Tech 1034 in March. Um, So this issue, uh, we see that both Bruce Wayne and the Batman are presumed dead. And so this is kind of Bruce Wayne kind of making his way through Gotham initially, just like as a trying to be an anonymous citizen. But by the end of it, he has sort of reappropriated the bat identity in a way and is, uh, is trying to take down um, the magistrate, which is sort of the theme of all of these bat books is just, you know, how to avoid and slash take down the magistrate. So in terms of um, Bruce Wayne's story, boys, what did you think of this? Zach? I, um, I really, I, I know Vince is the Tamaki boy on here. Um, I actually, I don't know how many Tamaki comics that I've read, but like, you know, I was pretty cold on Wonder Woman and this first it, it, essentially, you know, this being kind of like the first issue of her tech run. I, I wasn't super impressed. In fact, if it like weren't for the Dan Mora art, I probably wouldn't have thought much about this story at all. Vince. Oh, man, I really liked it. I, I really thought this was and I mean, the way that the Mora art delivers the story is is the best part for sure but i i think there's i i think i think there's a story here that's i think you're dealing with the limitations of the setup of gotham in future state i think you're right yeah that was going to be my point actually I, yeah. yeah i think i this is not like i i guess i should say i don't really want to knock tamaki here because these are the same issues i had with like um john ridley's next batman story i think i just like am feeling very cold with this status quo yeah and i I think that's fair i i do think the status quo like i'm pretty sure i said on that episode that it's it's too similar to other status quos we've had and it's kind of a generic version of the the sort of po- Gotham as a police state, or somebody somebody has taken Gotham out of Bruce Wayne's hands. You know, it's a it's a it's a highly g- generic version of that at this point. Um, I think 
I think it looks great. I think like as a setting, like the 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 coloring and sort of the neo neon future style um, gives it a lot of flash. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's limited as a status quo, and I think that's you know without telling you how you're feeling, I feel like that's what you're feeling. Yeah, um, it's just it's just it's very like sparse. It's very. Uh, decompressed i think mm-hmm. um there's just there's just not a lot to go on yeah um yeah as usual i fall somewhere in between you guys with this um i i do think that one of the faults of this is the same fault i had i can't remember which event i'm thinking of now but i want to say maybe it was I feel like it's easy to always say Convergence is the event I'm thinking of because I feel like Convergence had a lot of this stuff too. But because you have to be under the presumption that not everybody is reading the full line, every first issue in Gotham restates the problems in Gotham. Mm -hmm. And so there is so much time wasted in all of these books reminding you of the Magistrate and all of that that you don't really get to the story until about halfway through each of these first issues. And so because of that, you're there's so much just stuff that you already know that it can read as boring. Yeah. yeah. Now, having said that, to, to, to speak specifically on Tamaki's work here, I do think there's a lot of stuff that she does here that, that I really like that is unmistakably her. Um, the the bit about Eleanor Rigby at the beginning was kind of fun. I thought, um, you know, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> the there's a bit where Bruce is like um, idly chatting with somebody. I think it was Bruce is idly chatting with somebody at a diner, and uh, they're like, "Oh, Batman, then Bruce Wayne." You know, celebrity deaths happen in threes. Yeah. Like that. There's so much of that color. I feel that 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 helps this issue feel not oppressively dark uh, when it easily could, and yeah, it, it just it just lightens things in a story that is otherwise very dark. Um, and I thought I thought like Bruce's narration when he's fighting the goons at the end, and then he ends up putting the mask back on was pretty strong for for what it was i mean again we've seen scenes like that before for sure where like sure batman batman's on uh you know out on the straights or whatever and and has to has to come back and 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 recenter himself and uh ready himself for a fight or whatever and i just i think she did a very good version of that um, and then one little thing that I don't know whether it was her or whether it was uh, Dan Mora, but I did, I did like how when the magistrate is investigating Batman's death, the photo that they're using is clearly like a, a riff on the Adam West Batman. <laughs> and it made me think like, is this just an old photo they have like sitting? It's supposed to be like an old photo they have sitting around of Batman, you know, but he's got mm-hmm. like the eyebrows in the in the photo i just thought that was was a good bit yeah 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 um you know i'm i'm the classic textbook bruce wayne hater so well yeah there's that too you know there's just there there's not much here to kind of get my gears going other than the mora art 
I also want to want to comment on what you said about this being the first issue of Tamaki and Mora's tech run. And I, I don't think that their tech run is going to be similar to this at all, actually. No, I don't I don't either, but like this I, I, is I the... understand what you're saying though. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so I, I, I would I would say that this is if if this issue is particular I I, I think that Given next issue, if if it's particularly dull, next issue, then I think that there's legitimate complaints to be had there. But I just think that a lot of the problems with this book can be chalked up to general Gotham Future State problems, as well as the the aforementioned like needing to restate the the plot of Future State in general every first issue. Yeah, yeah, and and I think maybe this is just like a future state thing as well i feel like i had a similar complaint with like next batman this to me feels like a, a 20 page story that could have been a 10 page story yes um i do like that mora has room for the art to breathe and so that that when it is like really good art i don't mind it as much but um Again, like couple that with like kind of my disinterest, I think, in the Gotham setting. That it, th- those all things just came together to make this not one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. I I, I see what you're saying. I I liked it quite a bit. I'm excited about what they've got cooking for. Uh, tech Gosh, proper. But... <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, don't, that? don't 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 get us started down that path. Zach Wilkerson. Oh, I, I uh, Galga don't want you to. How long has no, it been sitting uh, on that line? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wanted to shout out Jordy Jordy Blair's colors, and I think the if the status quo is boring for this, I think like one thing that helps it a lot are the colors. And I really like the I like the neon color scheme that they have for this like semi futuristic state of DC universe. And I feel like Bel Air is um, the perfect colorist to work that sort of thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I also wanted to shout out uh, Aditya Bidikar's lettering because there's a lot of especially in like the narration boxes and kind of the um, the what what do you call it like the setting like the the boxes that like set the location mm-hmm. um what is there's a name for that right um whatever it is yeah. you know um anyway uh there's there's dc 1 million vibes i feel with that stuff the way that it's kind of like blocky and glitchy and uh it's very pleasing to me as an aesthetic I can that see makes that. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh the I think that the neon color scheme works better in Gotham than it does elsewhere in Future State. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, this reminds me of the Harley Quinn issue that we read last week visually. Um yes. and I, I liked that issue too for that reason. Um so yeah. Alright, we're ready to move on to part two of this issue, the Grifters story. Yeah. So uh, this is written by Matthew Rosenberg, illustrated by Carmine Di Gia Domenico, and this is a 
combo Cole Cash Luke Fox story. Uh, we've had a lot of Carmenet's work in um, in Rebirth, and I think that for the most part, I'm a pretty big fan of Carmenet's work. I will say that I, I don't think he was as good a fit on this as he was on The Flash in terms of um, sort of the story ex- accenting the parts of his art that I really enjoy. Uh, but I thought overall this was a relatively fun story. This one, to, to quote Zach from five minutes ago, this definitely felt like it was padded out. Like this could have been a much shorter story. But but I did enjoy it for the most part. I think that Luke and Cole are an interesting pairing to put together. Um, Zach, what do you think of this issue or this story? Right? This is I I promise this is the last time I'll be a downer um, tonight with these. But I I didn't love this one either. Um, I thought it was pretty boring. Um, I typically really like Carmenet's art. I really like especially like the early flash run with Williamson, um, you know, those first few arcs, I thought um, the art was really, really good. I think, I don't know if it's the coloring or something here. It just like doesn't work as well for me, but yeah, I, I just didn't really care for this story either. Vince. Yeah. I, I think like, they they were they were just trying to make grifter into like the they 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 were trying to make him into like a constantine type character where like <laughs> he's constantly getting himself into scrapes and then like snarking his way out of them um and i don't know like I, I, they're trying to do like a buddy comedy, like a buddy action comedy thing with him and uh, Luke Fox, I guess. I don't know how well that works for me. Um, I will say they got me right at the end, though, bringing Huntress in. Uh, so I'm excited to see Huntress in the next installment of this. Because um, I'm a simp. And <laughs> the Huntress bit was good. I, and I think that could be a really interesting uh, dynamic in the next chapter, um, having the three of them together. Um, so I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shout out Matthew Rosenberg's script for one second. He lifts almost like, Obviously, they're talking about different things, but there's a scene where Grifter is trying to tell Luke to run, and it is almost exactly out of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade what Sala does with Marcus Brody. Uh, Mm. It eventually ends with Sala punching somebody through a newspaper, which is not quite how it ends here, but (laughs) it's not not all that dissimilar either. It's a a scene that I I appreciated because, to me, it was... It has to be an homage to that because it's it's so perfectly worded in that way that it just it, it has to be an homage to that and that's one of my favorite films so that's fun. Other than that, it was uh, you know it, it, I, I feel like this is one of those things that if this had been half the length, it would have been far more enjoyable. Yeah the the Batman anthologies are are batting over to for me right now. Which is interesting because I, I think we're all pretty excited about that Batman Urban Knights uh, story we're getting. 
a book we're getting rather where it's basically a um urban legends urban legends are yes uh where it's basically this right like it's basically going to be uh i mean there, there there's a grifter story in that there's an outsider story in that it's going to be an anthology of 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 these sort of you know lesser gotham characters but i hope that with those there is less um less padding around the edges mm-hmm. which who knows yeah yeah i mean i'm the format is what i'm excited about for sure you know the content remains to be seen right all right well let's um let's move off of this book then and let's move over to Future State Green Lantern. Uh, this has three stories in it. The first one is called Lost Lanterns, and that was written by Jeffrey Thorne and illustrated by Tom Rainey. This gives us a John Stewart, uh, Salak, and Gnort story, along with some other lanterns. Um, I'm going to jump in here and say I really did not like this first story. I wanted to. I kept trying to find a way to get into this, but this book shakes up the Green Lantern status quo and doesn't necessarily tell you why it's shaken up, just like the rings don't work. And in some ways, I'm glad we didn't get 20 pages of them telling us why the rings don't work. But on the other hand, I feel like we were just dropped into the middle of this story without too much... um, reason to care and because this is these are sort of elseworldsy stories i feel like without any sort of emotional tether this just felt like a pretty standard pretty dull like action book um i didn't think tom rainey's art was as good as i've seen his work in the past and i just got very very bored by this by the end of it vince what did you think of this story yeah i I think I'm slightly more positive on it than you are, but not, not by a very large stretch. I think, um, I think the, the main issue is I'm not too interested in a green lantern story where they're not green lanterns, (laughs) you know? Yep. Um, Is it because they're not really well-developed characters without their rings? No, but the rings and the constructs and the whole structure of the core and everything is so core to what that superhero concept is that if you take that away, even for just a little while, it doesn't work. As It's not a Green Lantern story then, you know? And uh, there is a story in here that, there is a story in, in here that does that and pays off on it in an interesting way. Yes. This story does not do that. And so you're left with a very generic, like you said, um, a very generic action book where, oh, John Stewart is leading this resistance band of uh, aliens on this on this planet that's under siege. Um I don't think the execution is terrible. Um, I'm I'm still interested in what Jeffrey Thorne has to say about Green Lanterns when they're Green Lanterns. What, but he, I think it's just the, the premise and everything is like the the setup and everything is so generic. Well, I'll take it a step further than that because I I am no longer really excited about Jeffrey Thorne's take on Green Lanterns because 
he does not give any character in this anything resembling a personality or anything resembling a personality that we have seen in the past. Like, we've been reading Jon Stewart stories for how many years now? There is nothing in this book that indicates that person is Jon Stewart, aside from people calling him Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, you you're know, not wrong. I'm, I'm just saying I'm not going to use this... Just like, just like you said, you don't think Tamaki's uh, Dark Detective is going to be representative of the detective run. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge Jeffrey Thorne's Green Lantern run off of this. I, I think I, this is just a, a status quo fart in the wind for for future state that I'm I'm pretty much just going to disregard. Um, but I, mean, I, I t- your point is well taken. Yeah, you know, I, I think the difference for me is that in Tamaki's book, I don't think... Bruce Wayne didn't feel like Bruce Wayne. Sure. And to me, that's the difference. But I understand. Zach, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really impressed by this. This felt more like like an Omega Men type book or like a Rebels Legion type thing than a Green Lantern book. Um, that's your jam, though. I know. Well, I, but like kind of like Vince said, like when you're when you're kind of, when you're here at the table for a Green Lantern book and you get something else, it's it's a little disappointing. Um, I also got like big New Fifty Two vibes from this. Mm-hmm. Um, the inclusion of Nort was just really weird to me. I don't know. Trying to make Nort, trying to make like stupid sexy Nort, <laughs> is like a very New Fifty Two thing, you know. Um, and so I, I didn't love that. Um, but, like, I am the one who's always clamoring for more, like, cosmic DC stuff. And that that was this. And so I, I'm, like, willing to give this a, a bit more of a chance. But also, there were just, you know, there were a lot of characters in this besides, you know, besides John Nord, and Salek. Um, you know, there were all these other side characters who we, we had no context for. You know, some of them had cool designs. Um but we, we really, you know, you kind of have to learn their names on the fly. You don't know anything about them. You don't know anything about this status quo, like Vince said, or maybe it was Brian. One, one of you said that. And, and yeah, I think it just, it was a tough sell. It was very difficult to kind of get engaged in. So, yeah, I, I'm not, like, necessarily worried about Thorne's Green Lantern run, but I don't know that this future state story is necessarily for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess my whole point with like someone like Nort is somebody I've wanted to see come back for a long time, just because I think that one of the joys of the Green Lantern universe is that you can have Volk, who has a volcano head, and you can have dog Green Lantern, right? But this isn't even this is supposed to be like a rougher version. If, if that's the case, there are a million Green Lanterns that are that sort of rough and tumble character. There's no reason to make a character that has nuance on their own into that, right? Um, nuance is the wrong word, but you know, has 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 character traits of their own, I guess. Sure. Um, well, let's move on to the to the next story in here, which is the taking of Sector Zero One Two Three, a fun title for this uh, Jessica Cruz story, written by Ryan Caddy, illustrated by Sammy Basri, and. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I think that Jessica Cruz stories oftentimes, especially in these 
situations where you have her acting as like the narrator for herself most of the time, I think those stories tend to be really samey and do the same thing, which is her basically being like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And this issue doesn't do that. It doesn't shy away from her anxiety, but it, it handles it in a really interesting way. And I think it uses the Yellow Lanterns, uh, the Sinestro Corps, in a fun way. And it ends in a really surprising manner as well. I, I think Basri's art was excellent in this story. I really, really dug this. This was one of my favorite stories of this week. Zach, what did you think of this story? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's the best story in this Green Lantern book. I think it's the one of the better ones in this week, and I think it's like one of the best Jessica Cruz stories we've ever gotten to, for all the reasons you mentioned. And plus, like, I'm a sucker for, you know, Lantern characters getting different Lantern <laughs> rings. <laughs> you know, that's like... <laughs> That's that's Zach Nip. So I yeah, I liked this a lot. Um, it was it was really fun. And yeah, the art, especially like Bastry's art was really great. Um, th this is something I would love to get see get to see spin off and in, into something else. I don't know if we'll get any more of this, but this this was really good. Yeah. Vince? Yeah, I'm in total agreement with with both of you guys. This is what I was referencing earlier. This is um this is a way to take away a Green Lantern ring or a Green Lantern status quo and still make it a Lantern book and, you know, give you a really compelling workaround for that. Like her, her sneaking around this battery and kind of keeping it alive and fixing things up here and there is such a... That is a great premise. That is a unique premise that could only be done in a Green Lantern book, I think, you know, in this way. Um, yeah, and I, I, oh, I, I, I hope we get more of this. I, I wish for more of this. Um, it remains to be seen. I don't think we know what Jess is doing post-Future State, do we? Um, I don't believe so. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, everything you guys said. And, uh, and also, uh, Alyssa Drack is nice with it. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, not, you know, having just read uh, Sinestro Corps War and how kind of skeevy she is there, she's not, she's a little bit more, you know, she's not drawn, she's, you know. She's not bad, it's not, she's just it, drawn that way. Well, yeah. It's, yep. It feels less, like, <laughs> exploitative, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is, which is, man, what a, what a twist and a turn from the artist who did Voodoo, New 52's Voodoo. You're right. You're yes. right. Wow. I, li I like Sammy Basri's art. I, I think it, I think it's really solid superhero comic booking. So I'm just being tongue in cheek there. And look, I, I believe um, both Ron Mars and Josh Williamson owe us a dollar whenever we mention voodoo. So <laughs> this is how our, our kids are going to go through college one day. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Last story in this book is called The Book of Guy. It's written by Ar Ernie Altbacker, who, if I didn't know better, I would think played for Vince's Packers. It sounds like a football player name. And uh, illustrated, <laughs> by, illustrated by Clayton Henry. Uh, this this story, you know, I'm gonna let someone else start. Zach, start talking about the story. Um, 
this is a story that I feel like I really shouldn't have liked, but I found it very charming and fun. So um, I really I don't have a lot to say about it other than I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Um, so for me, this lands between the, the, the two stories that are uh, earlier in this issue. And I think, I mean, first of all, the story itself is it's just a gag. Right. I mean, we may see a little bit more of this, but I don't think this is going to be some new status quo for Guy or anything like that. It, it seems to me like it's just more like getting a joke involving Guy across, and it's charming in that way. Um, that said, it feels kind of disposable, which is fine. You know, it's, it's fine if it's that. Um but it seems more like a goof than anything else, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just doesn't, it doesn't operate on the m- different levels uh, of superhero storytelling the way that the Jessica Cruz story does. Yeah, what I was going to say is I, I, I hated the first three pages of this and then grew to really enjoy it. Um... I, I yeah, think, I mean, uh, was is guy like too brash or or what? What's the deal there? Yeah, it, it just kind of felt like like a, I I think the guy Gardner stereotypically is the brash Green Lantern, but I think when he's written well, he's brash but likable. Mm-hmm. And here in the first three pages or so in this, he's just he's not likable in the slightest. And by the end of it, you are kind of rooting for him, and, and I think it's a fun thing to do. The sort of you know like one five twenty five years later type thing, um, I, you know the the Lobo bit at the end was fun only because I feel like um, you know this again harkens back to like Rebels or one of those other cosmic books that had Lobo as a part of it, right? It was it was it was it was fine. This was a a, a fine enough diversion for a few pages. Yeah. Uh, any other comments on this, Zach? Mm-mm. All right. Well, that brings us to our, our third title of the week, which is Future State Justice League. The main story for this is written by Joshua Williamson and illustrated by Robson Roca. When was the last time we saw Roca? I feel like we, we were seeing Roca all the time, and then we hadn't seen Ro- Roca in a while. Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman. Oh, you're right. I forgot he did Aquaman. Um. And before that, I think it was Supergirl. Yes, that that's what I was thinking of is his Supergirl stuff. Um, so this this story is the first time we've seen uh, a bunch of these future state future characters kind of hanging out together. You know, we, we we get to see we don't see a lot of of Batman or of um, you know. Uh, I guess Batman we see the least of here, but this and elsewhere we get a little bit of Wonder Woman and Superman together time, you know, Yara Floor and John Kent, and we also get a little bit of um, the new Flash and Aqua Woman, Andy uh, stuff together, and I thought all that stuff works really well. I think this, I think this book really excels because Joshua Williamson writes the characters as if they really know each other. Now, part of the gag here is that they don't know each other. They're not like the the best friends the way that the Justice League are sort of in modern times. But you get a sense that these characters aren't feeling each other out and trying to 
get to know each other at all. They have sort of a baseline understanding of who they are, and that allows Williamson to go in and do sort of maybe a little bit deeper character work than you would have if this was their first time meeting. I also think Williamson does a good job of sort of matching the tone of the characters we have seen elsewhere, uh, matching the tone from elsewhere in Future State. And I thought Roka's art was pretty fun in this. Um, we get White Martians, the Hyper Clan, as villains, which mm-hmm. is which is really fun. Um, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like this a lot for you know the reasons you mentioned. Um, you know, I love. I mean, I love this cast. It's like such a great cast. I wish that we were getting a whole book with this cast. Um, but I, I did like the interplay. I feel like the status quo is really interesting where they have, you know, the this, um, I guess, holdover from like the previous Justice League where because of, you know, things that had happened, they're not allowed to like really fraternize. So you, you kind of have this weird thing where they're kind of friends, but not. And, and you know, we see them kind of break off. They're, they're, they're kind of like flagrantly disregarding that throughout the book like we find out that you know some of them kind of hang out on their own even though they know they're kind of not supposed to um and i think those pairings are really interesting um we'll talk a little bit more about the you know superman wonder woman when we get to that book too but i really thought like the andy and flash stuff was really good um having joe in this book is just super cool um there's a lot of that stuff that we talked about. Um, I think it was in the Superman book of the, you know, um, it's the it's the Robinson JLA thing where you're getting all these stories that'll never happen. Right. Um, not, not quite the same, but we get like hints of that, you know, like we get this blurb about Joe, like saving uh oh uh solving Oa's like greatest mystery and and the flash coming you know during a, a multi multiversal crisis and staying you know all these like cool little nods to different stories um their like rogues gallery was really well designed i think like a lot more thought was put into those characters than i think really even needed to be and especially because like they're killed in like one panel essentially yeah yeah exactly but they all seem like they have you know really interesting potential and cool stories behind them and um and then yeah bringing in the hyper clan and making this like a straight up follow-up to um the first arc of morrison and porter's jla run is is really good and interesting to me and and the reveal works really well i think um you know if we hadn't known that uh you know if, if uh what's his name is it proteus i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah the, the main hyperclan guy if he hadn't been featured in the um the promotional material i never would have guessed this you know so it it, it was really good i i enjoyed it a lot Vince? Yeah, I I liked this as much as you can, like something that doesn't kind of break the mold the way that the way that Joel Jones's Wonder Woman book kind of breaks the the normal DC mold of what you tend to see in a superhero comic. You know, mm-hmm. this this very much played as a typical Justice League book, but it had all these elements that are new and fresh. It's what we've been talking about. It's like how, you know, um, part of the reason why we like things like Future State is because they give us these, like, 
new fresh characters, even if they're not telling like groundbreaking stories or something, there's a dynamic there that's fresh just by them being uh, a new set of characters or an unusual set of characters. And I think that Williamson plays those notes extremely well throughout this. Um, I don't think either of you guys, you guys talked a lot about all the great stuff in this issue, but I think one thing you guys didn't mention, unless I didn't, unless I wasn't paying attention, I love how uh, T. Omaro and Professor Ivo, like these like ancient geezer versions of them, are sort of ushering in the legacy of the uh, the new Legion of Doom, which has like legacy villain characters in it. It's like a, it's like a great mirror of what's going on in the regular Justice League stuff where like Superman is off doing his own thing, Wonder Woman and Batman. Yeah, they're like they're like older and and lost or whatever. You feel that with the villains too, but then you have these two like elder statesmen of the villains that are there to I mean, it doesn't last very long because the villains, <laughs> right. the villains in this issue, you know. But you know what I'm saying? That's a that's a. I thought that was a cool way to introduce this new legion, um, in a way that gives legacy to the villains as well, too. You know, which we almost never get. Almost never. Yeah, exactly. Like it's the thing we talked about with uh, with Captain Boomerang Junior. I was right? just gonna bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But here we get a ton of these like great legacy and the designs are so good. Like that's part of the enjoyment too, you know? Um, you're getting to see these legacy characters with with these tweaked designs um, that Robson Roca just knocks out of the park. I think man, the Robson Roca glow up is real, you guys, because like not that he was ever a, a bad artist by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I remember first paying attention to his work on, I think, the Rebirth Green Lantern stuff with Jessica Cruz and, and Simon Baz. Yeah. I'm and sure Frank he's Leminsky. been around. And Frank Leminsky. <laughs> uh, not on art. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's been around longer than that, and I just can't pull what I would have seen before that. But I remember thinking on the Green Lantern stuff that it was – it was okay. It was even good at times, but inconsistent. And I think that with the Aquaman, the Aquaman stuff was beautiful. And I think this is maybe even better than that. Although it's a different, there's a different feel to it. This being more of a overt Cape comic and that being more of like an ethereal, you know, aquatic adventure, whatever. I, I just think his work has come such a long way and it's so detailed now. And it's so like, it gives me the, he's like a notch away from being like an event book artist, you know, I, I really, th- I, I mean, maybe, I maybe that's right. Me, no, but I'm not disagreeing. I'm just right. saying, I'm yeah. just saying that's, you know, that's, uh, that's a big, uh, that's a big thing to say, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really got that feel when reading this. This this felt more important because the art was top notch, Robson Roca art. Anywho, yeah. that's that's all I had to say. I really liked this. It was very good. No, this is this is super fun. This is a really great issue, 
and I think it's a good uh, indicator of of where this future state stuff can go when there's not so much worry placed on setting the stage, um, which is, again, like a, a big problem I have with a lot of these books. Um, but the second story in this is a Justice League dark story, and, and this is mirroring how Justice League is going to be presented in Infinite Frontier. Ram V's Justice League will be the backup to... Bri Sorry, Ram V's Justice League Dark will be the backup to um, Brian Bendis's Justice League, which I think is interesting. Um, but this is by Ram V and Marcio Takara. There is so much fun in this. I love, love Etrigan being paired with Detective Chimp instead of Jason Blood. <laughs> and the fact that he says, gone, gone, the Simeon, <laughs> rise the demon Etrigan. Like, it's, it's, I know it's pronounced Simeon, but you have to say it that way for the rhyme to work. Um, it's just, it's so perfect. It's, it's great. I really liked, I never thought I'd say this. I thought Ragman was really good in this. Um, yes, best Ragman in a long time. Yeah. We get uh, Khalid, Dr. Fate who I know all three of us are big fans of. I thought overall this was a really fun story. Zach. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree. I didn't like it as much as the main Justice League story. Um, mostly I think that's just like preference. Um, but it was a really cool story. I think it's a good use of like the Justice League dark characters. Um, yeah, it 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 didn't like wow me, but I I thought it looked good, and it it like you said made made some interesting use of some of the characters in, in ways that we're not used to or, or don't expect. So yeah, I, I liked it. Vince, I really liked it. I continue to be a big fan of of Ram V's DC. Well, all of Ram V's work in general, but you know I think he's killing it at DC. Um, I think Takara's art looks great. I think Marcelo Maiolo's colors look great. I love um, Maiolo's colors. I, I think I think he's the most underrated colorist in comics. Yeah. Um, yes, up there for sure. Um, yeah. The the only thing that's less exciting about this compared to the the main story for me is that the team here is largely you know there's the twist of Etrigan being uh, inside Bobo at this point. And also the, um, you know, Ragman, who wasn't a part of the, the JLD team uh, in the recent run. But all the other characters are very familiar characters who have been around. And that's that's the one thing that makes, you know, the, the, the main story in this feel fresher than this one. But I think the story still is really good. Um, I think, like, I, I, I loved uh, Khalid hiding in that old man on the bench with the coffee can um, ragman uh, have a calling upon the soul of a, a Norse warrior uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla style. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, there's so many, so many fun, playful elements in this. Um, I think the, the concept is a very simple one that, that Merlin is trying to steal all the magic in the world for himself. I think that's a very, solid concept it's it's not complex or like it's not breaking any mold but it's a, a conflict you can clearly understand and um it doesn't try to get too fancy with that or too smart for its own good um yeah it, it 
Ram V's stories, I think, just go down really smooth. Um, one of my criticisms of the of the Tinian Justice League Dark, as much as I dig Tinian and I dig his ideas on that, was that it got a little bogged down, you know, in mm. in in words. I don't think Ram V really has that problem. Um, it's not it's not sparse like there are a lot of words, but I don't it it, it never feels it, it feels smooth to get through all that stuff. So I think, yeah, I, I'm going to stop rambling, but I really like this, too. I, I think it's a really fun issue over like top to bottom. Both of these stories are really fun. I think both give you a really good sense of what you may get from books by like, from similar books from these writers. We've already seen Ram V on Justice League Dark. We've seen Tynion do not Tynion, I'm sorry, Williamson do a little bit of Justice League stuff here, but always sort of you know com- uh, tied into a uh, to an event. I- I'd really like to see him have a proper Justice League run, especially if it's a run where he can get a, a-, a more interesting cast in there. Um, anyway, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the last books of this week, so stay tuned. Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. And we are back, and we are going to be talking about Future State, Kara Zor-El, Superwoman. This is by the DC Bombshells crew, the Marguerites, Marguerite Bennett, Marguerite Sauvage. Um, Vinci, I know you were a big Bombshells person, so I'm going to let you start this one off. Yeah, I uh, I was a big Bombshells guy. I liked this. I think... Here's my thing with this. This is the book this week that's most comparable to the Wonder Woman title from last week in that it's telling a story that is feels somewhat removed from the other stuff that's going on in futures in future state futures on. Um, it's not totally removed because there's references to uh, John Kent and the stuff that's going on in Metropolis for sure. Um, but the story itself takes place removed from that stuff. Um, it's also Marguerite Sauvage's art, art style is, uh, very unique as far as Cape comics go. And it really leans into that, uh, to good effect. I think I'm a, I'm a big Marguerite Sauvage fan. I, I think the art looks great. It's on the whole, it's, not as satisfying or uh, deftly told a story as uh, the Wonder Woman one was, the Yara Floor Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little... The The pitch is very good. I think... Uh, and I'm a, I'm a Marguerite Bennett fan, too, in general. I think she's a great writer. Um, the pitch is great. So uh, Kara is 
kind of running this colony on the moon, which is a safe haven for uh, Earthlings who want to escape what's going on down there in the future state status quo. And as she's doing this, a gift, uh, super-powered, gifted, whatever you want to say, alien crashes through into the colony and lands very similar to the Superman Kal-El origin, right? I think that's a really interesting pitch. I think it gets a little lost in the middle. I think it gets a little bit... I, I don't know what. It's not as... Um, it's not as sleek of a story as like the Wonder Woman one. If I if I have to compare it to that, um, but then it comes around at the end, I think, and I, I think it's it, it's interesting moving into the next issue. I think uh, because Kara has to make a, a decision about how she's going to handle this, and there's a nice contrast between like how. Kara would handle a problem versus how like John Kent or, or even Clark would. And, um, and that plays really well, but I just, I just think it's not as that one. I don't know why I keep comparing it to the wonder woman issue other than it's the one that's trying to do something different this week. And it's just not as slick as that issue was that. And that's all I, I liked it a lot. Uh, tell your review that. Zach, what'd you think? Um, what, what did you say? I said, tell your review that <laughs> you, you you didn't uh, your your closing argument did not match the the tone of the 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 majority of the argument. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's okay. Zach, go ahead. Fine. Um, I mostly liked this. I mean, artistically, it's beautiful. It's I think second only to the Joel Jones uh, Wonder Woman book as far as the the future state books that we've gotten so far, it looks incredible. Am I the only one who thought that like the Kara characterization was like a little weird and maybe, maybe not so much like the characterization more so like the framing that like she, like no one has ever loved her and she has all these like crazy anger issues and, and like she's always been this black sheep. I I feel like that's like a really weird read. That's, you know, maybe most consistent with like the new 52 version of Supergirl um, where she came much later and then became a Red Lantern and didn't really like interact with a lot of the super family, but like doesn't feel consistent with the rebirth version at all to me. It almost reads like a commentary on the way the character is treated. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um I, I don't know if I would say that that's totally out of left field. Like, I think that... I think that especially the way that she was handled in the Superman of Metropolis issue last week was this idea of that she can she feels like an outsider whether or not she actually is one or not. And I think that this is more about how she perceives herself to be versus how she actually is. Sure. Um... But, I mean, to me, this is the best-looking book of Future State, no exceptions. I think this is, this it, to me, tops what Joel Jones did. And that's no disrespect to Joel Jones. I love Joel's work. But mm. I felt that this was just the best we've had um, in terms of art in Future State, both in terms of I, I think it's the most unique-looking 
from a number of perspectives. It's it's also colored by Savage, and she does not go in with the neon look that the rest of the books do. And I'm not saying I dislike that, but I think if you're setting this book off world, it just it feels very unique. It feels very um, just singular in, in its in its purpose. I really enjoy. There's a page where uh, there's like a stained glass window that takes up the entirety of the page that's just beautifully rendered by Savage. I, I I think you guys are both onto something with saying that maybe the art outpaces the story here, but I think that the art is so great that I would take this any day of the week. This is my favorite book of the week, uh, hands down. And maybe And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely love this. Okay. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I don't think it was my favorite of the week. I don't think we've gotten to my favorite of the week yet. Um, there are two others I liked quite a bit, but I think this I think because of the singular nature of this, it edges it out for me. Sure. Um, yeah. No, this was good, and I wish more books looked like this. This has more, like you said, this isn't like the neon. This is almost like a fairy tale esque mm-hmm. type story. It looks it looks great. Um, yeah, I, I I did like this a lot. I'm interested to see where it goes in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to um, let's see what is next on my list here. Uh, Future State, Robin Eternal. This is written by Megan Fitzmartin and illustrated by Eddie Barrows. Um. I don't have a ton to say about this issue. This was this was one of the less memorable issues for me this week. Um, we do get a callback to "We Are Robin," and didn't expect that <laughs> coming. That into was this. wild. Yeah. Although, Although I do not think this character was one who was seen in "We Are Robin," unless I'm completely. I was just about to say I did a little research today. And I I agree with you, and I don't think this character was ever actually mentioned in that book, uh, which yeah. is an interesting choice. That sure. isn't that is interesting. I I wasn't sure about that because I didn't finish that book um, when it was coming out. I kind of dropped off of it. So uh, that that's interesting to know. Um, but I liked this book quite a bit. Um, I think mostly just due to the Barrows art. Um, I don't think it was the best Barrows art. I think this is like no. maybe like a step down from his tech stuff. Um, mostly in like the composition. I think some of the composition was just off, but I think like of the Gotham books, this is the one I've enjoyed that I liked the most other than like the outside. I like that one outsider's story. Um, but this, this is up there with that for me. Um, Vince, but yeah, not a lot to say about it. Yeah. I, it was it was okay. It was good. It was a breezy read. Um, it wasn't the best Barrows. It, it was fine Barrows. Um, the story was fairly generic as far as like... I guess I may not even understand the story because there's they're, they're talking about this Lazarus resin that is like in enhancement or regenerative substance for cybernetic warriors i guess i don't maybe i missed something why would a why would a 
robotic warrior need that? I don't. Am I am I missing something? No, I think I, they're like cybernetic beings, but like mix of like tech and organic is how I read tech it. Tech and organic. Okay, a learning get, machine. Sure. So then I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't Maybe matter. Maybe not. It's, I it's don't superhero know. Comic. I just think like th- this is the issue that. It doesn't. It doesn't take very many chances. It just. It. It tells a fine, straightforward uh, Tim Drake story. I just. I feel like there wasn't a ton to sink my teeth into in this one. Um, I don't know, Brian. What do you think? I. I don't have too much to say about this one either. I, I thought it was fine. I, I. I'm glad that they're giving Tim something to do, just because I feel like in general. There hasn't been a ton of Tim stories recently. It actually kind of feels like maybe Tech was the last Tim story that gave him anything to do that wasn't as part of like the Young Justice team. So I'm, I'm glad to see Tim doing some stuff. But overall, this was kind of a snooze for me. I'm I'm interested to see how this lines up with some of the other books. I I read through some of the timeline today, which is very confusing how they have like certain books taking place in different eras. Um, But this specifically mentions that Dick is like in Arkham right now. Um, And I'm interested in how that does or does not line up with one of the other books we'll talk about tonight. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's all makes sense and that we're just, you know, like, I'm sure I, I, this thing seems pretty tightly plotted, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think it's kind of cool that there are different, um, there are are sort of different timelines happening here and that these stories are not necessarily being told in a linear fashion. I think all that is, is cool and fine. Uh, it's just weird when you're doing like stories involving the same character in two timelines also, none of that stuff is telegraphed either. Like, it's that I feel like if that's like the conceit of this thing, like the year that this is taking place in should be mm-hmm. somewhere in the book. Even right. if it just says something like decades after death metal. Well, but like we actually know the years that these stories are taking place. Right. In. But, I'm like, saying, but even if you don't want to get that like in the weeds with it, I think just just giving it like general timeline is probably uh, fine. I see what you mean. Not I like like years since. I see what you mean. Not yeah. just like generic year decade since. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I, that time that timeline that they published should just be the first page of every book or something. Yeah, it should. The inside cover or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Dat- data pages. You know, we love them. We love them. We love them. I was thinking, uh, we're doing data. (laughs) What what, what were you thinking? (laughs) We love them. Like I I love LA. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Naked gun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's a joke for Walt. Um, (laughs) <laughs> let's let's get off this. Anything else to say about this before we move on? No. Mm-mm. All right. Uh, we're gonna get to, to just to tip my hand here. The last two issues this week I really enjoyed, so I'm excited to talk about these. The first one is Future State Superman Wonder Woman number one. 
Uh, this is written by Dan Waters, illustrated by Leila Del Duca. Uh, I, I'm going to let you guys talk about this one more, but in my opinion, this one looks great. It was a great plot, really tightly scripted. That that thing of John Kent writing Good Morning Metropolis in the Sky is like the perfect Superman move. Wonderful. This this was so much fun. I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I think this was my favorite issue of the week. Yeah, same. Same. I, I it, it hit every note that it was going for. Uh, if Dan Waters wants to write more like straight up Cape comics, he can, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, nailed the John Kent stuff. Love Yara Floor palling around with these uh, alternative gods, the sun and moon gods. Yep. Um, so far, everything so far, Yara Floor is the star of Future State. And I think that that was like pretty evident from the beginning, but it's more than just her character. It the, between the Joel Jones book and this book, it's so additive to the DC universe, just the stuff that she's bringing with her, you know? Um, ah, I think it's great. It's, it's, it's just like Diana and, and her gods, except, you know, it's new gods now, you know, like, I, I just think, it, I think it's great. Anytime you get this, this, greater mythology going um and then you get solaris which is just you know more morrison shit for more more slop for me um uh, <laughs> shovel it in yeah i love this yeah same this um this is like you know just me riffing maybe maybe like a, a little unreasonably but um i get all star superman vibes from this um just with like the tone of it you know the stuff with john uh solaris all, all of that I, I yeah i really like this a lot yeah th this is great what, what i love about this so much is i feel like we're getting a really, really nice look at what these characters are like together. And that's something I didn't expect to... I mean, obviously, we have a Superman, Batman, a Superman, one of them in title. So, you, you know, it's silly for me to say, I didn't think I'd see them interact. But you, you, you get the sense that they really know each other here. I was saying this about the Justice League book, too. I feel like both of these writers did a really nice job of conveying their relationship without having it be like all exposition shoved down your throat. Um, just super fun. I also think that the uh, the art by Leila Del Duca was just really, really expressive and great. And, you know, we had said this about the Yara Floor book last week, but I definitely got a little bit of the um, Azarella Chang run with the gods like just just seeing seeing gods in civvies essentially <laughs> just hanging out uh will, will give me a little bit of that vibe but i thought that uh del duca did a really nice job of blending like the mundaneness of the god of the moon wearing just like jean shorts and then all of a sudden they're riding flaming stallions into space like just this this wonderful juxtaposition there um yeah this issue was was a lot of fun 
Anything else to say about this? Uh, I got a great quote from it where sure. when John Kent says, uh, of course I'm not lying. I'm Superman. I just think that's a really nice. It's a nice Superman quote. I just think it's neat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, well played. Well played. Well played. Um, yes. This is great. Everybody should go out and read this book for sure. Um, and that brings us to our final issue of the week, which is Future State Teen Titans number one. This book was written by Tim Sheridan, who was who was taking over the title of Teen Titans with Teen Titans Academy after Future State, and illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Uh, this issue was seemingly written for me in a lot of ways. Um, we get one of my favorite Teen Titans characters. I mention all the time we don't see enough Bunker. We get Bunker here. We got Shazam here, which, as you all know, I'm a, I'm a Captain Marvel freak. And that last page of Dick putting on the Deathstroke mask, who, baby, love that. Love that so much. I thought that this this issue did a really good job of balancing some of the classic Teen Titans stuff with a tone that borrows a little bit from Teen Titans Go, believe it or not. Like I, th I think that um, the way that Beast Boy was written here is, is not is not the obnoxious Beast Boy we sometimes get, but I, you, you do see sort of like the way he nicknames um, uh, Red Arrow Meeks is a very like Teen Titans Go, Beast Boy thing. I thought mm. that this just balanced a lot of eras of Teen Titans all together into a fun story. It preserves the Red X mystery. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I'm going to guess I was the highest on this of the three of us, but that's just because, as you all know, I am the Titan simp. Um, I don't know. I, I really like this, too. The art was really good. I'm a big Sandoval fan. Um, I thought that the, the way the characters were were used and portrayed were really good. I liked the different um, kind of groups, different groupings of characters that we had. Um, yeah, I felt like it dealt with the legacy of Titan stuff really well. Kind of, you know, I, I liked this for the same reasons. I liked that one um, death metal tie-in. Um, I liked these new characters like uh, Totally Tubular and Chupacabra <laughs> yep. and uh, Brat Girl. Um those were all fun. Um, yeah, I like, to, I, I like to think it's brat girl, like the sausage. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he um, was so from Wisconsin. <laughs> and go pack go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I feel like that last page reveal was really good. Um, so yeah, I I thought this was a good issue too. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm right. I probably didn't like it quite as much as you, Brian, because because you're the Teen Titans simp. But um, uh, yeah, I liked it. Th this was on the same sort of wavelength as the Williamson Justice League book because uh, the characters were more familiar here, obviously, but they're used in in so many unexpected ways. It, it felt really fresh. Um. I loved the reveal that this, you know, certain team of Teen Titans was looking for the Spear of Destiny. Um, that bit was great. Uh, I loved that Miguel Montez, the Dial H character mm -hmm. from the 
the Sam Humphreys um, run was uh, included in this. Um, I I like that it is overtly continuing a story thread from the Teen Titans cartoon uh, with, you know, oh, Dick used to be Red X. That never happened in a comic at all. Right. <laughs> and, it, and, and it's just, you know, taken for granted that, like, Hey, you used to wear this, you know, and like it, it, I don't know if it means to be doing this. Like, I don't know if this went through the heads of editorial at all, but what it does for me as a reader is it makes good on this idea coming out of death metal that all of these stories matter and that all of these characters have somehow experienced everything across their histories whether it really makes sense or not. Um, I don't know if that was their thinking here, but that's what it comes across to me. And I think it works really well. I think like to absorb that as part of Dick's history is fun. It's having your cake and eating it too. You know, it's, it's what we talk about when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the legacies of these characters and uh, it adds a really interesting wrinkle that wasn't there before. Um, I'm way more excited for Teen Titans Academy than I was before I read this issue. So I think that's probably the highest compliment I can pay to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's going to be like one of the sleeper best books of, uh, of infinite frontier for, for a bunch of reasons, but I think specifically, Sheridan seems to get what makes the Teen Titans work, and as long as he's willing to to commit to that, I am I'm all in on this. Very very excited. So yeah, I I think looking at these two weeks of comics, I think I stand by what I said before. I I think that if you take out Swamp Thing and um and Wonder Woman from last week. Just about every one of these. I, I think that the Superman Wonder Woman is better than Superman of Metropolis. I think Dark Detective and the next Batman are about the same. I think that um, Harley Quinn is probably a little bit better than Robin Eternal. I think so. Maybe that's another one I would swap out. But for the most part, I think I think these are both pretty solid weeks. But I I think I give the the edge to this week. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, me too. And that's great. That's that's really fun. Um, Vince, do you by any chance know what's coming out next week? Because I I know you uh, <laughs> you were doing some research on this. Wink, wink. Earlier, so yeah. Um, uh, we're doing the thing. You know, we haven't done this in a while. We I know. Spring this on me. I'm and sorry. I, I, should, the... I, I <laughs> should have I should have mentioned this to you before, but I. I uh... No, because it's better that I that I fuck up again and not have this ready. So, um, no, I can I I have that for you. I am stalling for time. And by next week, of course, you mean the week nineteenth. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, well, if we're talking about future state specifically, we have uh, Catwoman number one. We have Immortal Wonder Woman. We get Nightwing. We get Shazam. We get Superman Worlds of War. We get the next Batman uh, number two. That's it, I think. 
Yeah. It's really nice to have these sort of low number series right now. Just getting these, uh, these, these like five to seven issues that are all pretty, pretty good. That's fun. Yeah, and some of some of them are oversized, but it still doesn't amount to what we used to read on a weekly basis. So. Exactly. Yeah, or what we read like, for instance, for uh, for Final Crisis Final last Crisis, week. Crisis. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We truly appreciate it. If you have to get in touch with us, two thirds of us on Twitter are, are on Twitter. Rather, I am at Brian Needs a Nap, and I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, you can find him. Uh, I had a really dirty one. I was gonna say, and I'm not gonna go with that. I'm trying. I'm trying to scramble come up with a with a plan B here. Um, l- let's just say that. Uh, fuck it. I can't. I can't do it. I'm done. I'm too. T- I'm too tired. And I had one, but I'm I chickened out on it. So. All right. Um, Probably uh, something about me uh, uh, manipulating myself. <laughs> no, it, it was about a, a certain nickname of yours um, from your past. <laughs> uh, the manipulator. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Leave it at that. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Join us next week for Future State Week 3. Bye. You gave me shit when I basically said the same thing five minutes ago. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs>